Well, good morning, church. Man, what an exciting time to be together as the family of God right here in this location to lift up our voices and praise the one and only risen Savior. Amen. We are so glad that you're here to do that today. Uh, what a, an awesome opportunity we have to lean into the abundant life that God gives us through His Son, Jesus Christ. We want to give back generously to Him in all things because of what He's done for us. And one of those ways is we come together on a Sunday morning to celebrate collectively His name and lift His name on high. This morning, we're going to be in Luke chapter 12, and I hope you've got your Bibles and will turn with me there. Uh, our text will be on the screen as well. Last week, uh, our last four weeks rather, Luke, or Luke, uh, Kale, not Luke, Luke did not preach, but he did lead worship. Uh, Kale was preaching and reminding us of what it means to be prayerful, and he did a great job. Thank you, Kale, for bringing that series uh, to us and reminding us what it means to be people who are prayerful. Uh, he was in Luke chapter 11, and so we're bumping one chapter to Luke uh, chapter 12 this morning. Uh, we're talking about what's in your wallet. And raise your hand if you've ever heard that in a commercial somewhere. Okay. So most of us have heard that, but over the next three weeks, we want to dig into the idea that our identity is not found in stuff, but it's found in Jesus Christ. You see, church, it's not about what's in your wallet, but it's about who is in your heart. And we want Jesus Christ to be in our heart. We want the world to know that. We want to lean into that story and let all the world see the light that comes from the Holy Spirit living within us. And we want to live a life that gives him uh, uh, all the glory, everything that's due him in our life. And so over these next three weeks, we're going to unpack what that looks like. When we open our wallet, it's not about that stuff. It's about giving Jesus Christ the rightful place in our heart. What a great time to be together. I thought about, you know, when should I talk about finances and the stuff that we've been blessed with in life? And I try to do that at least once a year to remind us and get our priorities straight. And I thought, you know, this is vacation time. People are traveling. The kids are home from school. We might be making some extra purchases that had not been budgeted. Uh, and so I wanted to take this time as we kind of head into our summer season to remind us about the idea that everything belongs to God. It's not ours. It's not what's in our wallet but who is in our heart. And each and every one of us have a, a wallet, a pocketbook, a purse, something where we carry that kind of things uh, in. In my wallet, I've got this white card. It's a magnetic card. It's got no writing on it at all. Uh, and I keep it in my wallet. I can come up to four different doors in this church building. It's a magnetic opener. And I just put my wallet up to that uh, piece on the outside of the door and the door unlocks. The church recognizes, oh, Tim is here. He's going to do a sermon. Let's, let's let him in and do that. Or somebody else that might have stolen my wallet, I don't know, but it would be somebody that has that wallet and that card, lets them in. It, the church understands or the computer here understands that Tim is wanting in. And so it'll say, hey, Tim came in this door at this time, and it will acknowledge part of my identity is this congregation. I love being here with this family of believers. You guys are incredibly gracious, uh, and it's so fun living this life out with you. But there are other things in my wallet as well that would express some kind of identity to you. For instance, my Panera card. I tend to go there quite a bit. Uh, can I get some points for additional food, which makes me then have to use my YMCA membership card to work some of that off in the process. But no doubt you've got probably a debit card that's tied to your bank account. You've got a driver's license. You may uh, have some kind of form of military ID if you are ex-military or currently active duty. 
I don't know what's necessarily in your wallet, but any one of us, if we found that wallet, could open it up and could discover a little bit about what might be important to you in your life. Now, the current culture that we live in makes it easy to say your identity should be wrapped up in stuff. Everything that you are should be wrapped around all the things that you own and how you use those things. But I think God's word, Jesus Christ, tells us a little bit something different about the life that we live. It is easy to settle into the idea, I am what I am based upon what I have or what I don't have. This culture is really good about reminding us uh, of who we are based upon what we have or what we don't have. But in those seasons of life where we are not happy with the job that we have or we're not happy with what is in our wallet, in those moments, if that's our identity, then it can lead to some unhealthy life choices, some ways of living that really don't play out into the story of God like he has it planned. And our story this morning begins like so many of our stories do. We've used this text before, but Jesus is such a good teacher. He is a master teacher. And he does that in this moment where he's interacting with a crowd as well. And there's someone in his audience that has a question. So we'll begin our text right here. Luke chapter 12, beginning verse 13. It says, then someone called from the crowd, teacher, please tell my brother to divide our father's estate with me. Now, some of you have met my brother. He's here today. Chris, he's right here in the third row. And I want you to encourage him to share some of his wealth with me. That's what's, what's, right? Okay. Maybe not. But then Jesus replies to this guy, friend, who made me a judge over you to decide such things as that? And then he said, beware. Guard against every kind of greed. Life is not measured by how much you own. Now, if you are a Christ follower, if you say you're a disciple of Christ, that last sentence is life-changing. And so if you've got your own Bible, I want to encourage you to underline it, highlight it, draw a circle around it. But life is not measured by how much you own. And then he told him them a story. A rich man had a fertile farm that produced fine crops, and he said to himself, what should I do? I don't have room for all of my crops. And then he said, I know. I'll tear down my barns and build bigger ones. Then I'll have room enough to store all of my wheat and other goods, and I'll sit back and say to myself, my friend, you have enough stored away for years to come. Now take it easy. Eat, drink, and be merry. But God said to him, you fool, you will die this very night. Then who will get everything that you've worked for? Yes, a person is a fool to store up earthly wealth, but not have a rich relationship with God. Church, that last verse, verse 21, is also a transformative verse for those of us who call ourselves followers of Christ. We can have all the wealth in the world. We can really be connected to our wallet. But if we don't have a rich and deep relationship with God, it means nothing. And you and I are called to live in that deep relationship with Jesus Christ each and every day. To live out how he's called us to live and not be tied to our wallet. Church, it's not about what's in your wallet, but who is in your heart. That's what this life is truly all about. And the problem with the man in our story 
is not necessarily his ambition or that he had a lot of stuff, but it's about his priorities. If we were to boil this passage down to, to the, just the message that Jesus is trying to get across, it's the identity that he chooses. And if you read all through the story, you'll see a lot of personal pronouns, I and me. It's all about him. And so we start this morning by asking the question for all of us, where is your identity? Where would you say that your identity is housed? See, this guy was so wrapped up in getting more and more. He's consumed with himself and things rather than other people. That's why Jesus says in verse 15, beware, watch out, be on guard, because this kind of thing will sneak up on you before you really even know it. The, the original term that Jesus uses here is a military term, kind of like being on guard duty. In 1989, I went to basic training with the Air Force down in San Antonio. And once you're there and off that bus, you think, what have I done? I will promise you that's the first idea that comes out of your, your mouth. But there are moments where uh, there are 50 of us in a dorm room and we each have to pull a stint with night watch. So everybody pretty much goes to bed at 10 o'clock, the lights go out, and then we take two-hour shifts to walk around the dorm and to make sure that the windows are closed, the doors are locked, there's no fires, no water, etc. Everyone else is snoring and having a pleasant evening. Believe me, it's the worst two hours of the day because you don't get to sleep. But there's a moment where they tell you, listen, there's a list here on the door, by the door, of all the different IDs that you can allow into the dorm room. People cannot get in from the outside. You have to let them in. And there's a window, a small window in the door, and they will really test you. And I remember one night specifically, I had the 3 a.m. to 5 a.m. watch, and somebody barely tapped on the door, and I went, and there was an officer there. And when you're in basic, you're terrified of those people. They could do anything to you. You just don't know. He puts his ID up on the window, and I look at the ID, and I look at the chart, and I don't see a connection, so I don't let him in. He gets very, very upset, and I uh, got read the right act after that, although I did the right thing once everybody got up. But that's what Jesus is calling us to, that type of warning, that type of idea, that type of life where you're on guard, where you're watching out for Satan to kind of sneak in and remind you, hey, your identity's in your bank account or your house or your zip code or your job or the title on your house. And Jesus says, no, your identity is in me. It's not what's in your wallet. It's what's in your heart. Who is in your heart? And so we're called to beware. The Greek word that is used here for the word greed can be translated an insatiable desire for more. And you and I have experienced that in life, haven't we? We've been in a moment where we were located right here and we saw right over there the thing that we wanted. Maybe it was a different job, a better salary, a better home. And so we said, if we could just get over there, everything's going to be great. And we finally make our way and we get over there and we think, whew, but then we see something over here in this corner, right? And then we think, if we could just get over there, things would be great. When in reality, you had said, if I could just get where I'm standing right now, everything would be great. It would be fine. And Jesus warns us as followers of him that we've got to be careful and watch out that our identity is not tied to stuff, but it's rather tied to him. Pop quiz this morning. It's not one you can fail as long as you don't raise your hand, okay? Don't do that. I'm going to give you some questions. 
Have you ever bought things to try to impress somebody else? Have you ever become so consumed with other people's possession, uh, perception of what you own? Have you ever spent ridiculously more on something because of a label? Have you ever bought a house because you liked the zip code better than you actually did the house? Have you been guilty of letting your spending habits be dictated by other people? You see, when your joy is tied to, to your net worth, then your hap happiness is all about happenings in life. When your identity can only be found in the temporary things of life, then you'll never get to experience the abundant joy that Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior, wants to give you in your life. You can't be connected so tightly to the things of this earth when Jesus wants to give you so much more. Church, it's not about what's in your wallet, but it's about who's in your heart. And we want Jesus in our heart. If you and I are constantly comparing and competing with those around us, it will literally suck the joy out of your life. And we're called to have joy in Jesus Christ. Because if Christ is our purpose, then our identity and the things that we hold dear to us can fluctuate and we'll always have that joy. You see, our mission here at Crosspoint is threefold and it will never change. It's all about connecting people to Jesus Christ. Crosspoint exists so that people can come into a relationship with God, that we can connect with other people who are on that same journey, and we can become more like Jesus. That's it. We're not here to make money. We're not here to be showy. We're simply here because we want people to know the hope that we have in Jesus Christ. We want to be that light in the communities, in our workplaces, with our friends, in our neighborhoods. We want to be the type of people that you could take my wallet and it wouldn't affect me. Because I love Jesus and that's where I'm tied to. That's who my identity is with. Amen. But in Luke chapter 12, this legal dispute could have easily been, been settled with just a few clarifications. You see, Jesus gets right to the heart of the issue. He knows this guy's questions really has some motives behind it. Jesus knows that this guy is really more wrapped up in stuff than he is a relationship with God. And that conversation with Jesus reveals to each and every one of us some negative byproducts of being connected too strongly to things of this world. And the first idea is this. Greed confuses your self-worth. Greed confuses your self-worth. Your worth is not determined whether or not the market is up or down, whether you've got a pay increase or not, whether the house sold for what you're asking or not, because our identity is tied to Jesus Christ, not stuff. There's a, a guy in the Old Testament, no doubt you've heard that story before, but if you haven't heard the story of Job, I would encourage you to read that story. It's an incredible, incredible witness to a man, no matter what's going on in life, is clearly tied to God, faithful to God. It's about halfway through your Old Testament. Job, by all, by all stretch of the imagination, is the richest guy in the nation. He's got everything. God's blessed him so well. But in one week, he loses all of his children. He loses all of his property, all of his cattle, everything that he owns, all of his money, even his health. 
He's still tied to God, and he's got some questions for God, just like you and I would have. And in chapter 31, he asks, have I put my trust in money or felt secure because of my gold? Have I gloated about my wealth and all that I own? If so, I should be punished by the judges, for it would mean I had denied the God of heaven. What Job is trying to translate is, my identity is not in my stuff. I'm sad that I've lost so much, but my faith is in God. And the same goes for us, church. But we live in a culture that tells us to trust things rather than God. We live in a marketplace that always calls us to be satisfied with what we currently have. You can see it on social media, on billboards, on TV, at the movies. It doesn't matter where you go. Constant bombardment for us telling us, don't be satisfied with what you've got. There's something better. But wait, one more. If you order in 50, you've heard it all. (laughs) Paul, who was an incredible Christian, who literally gave his life so that other people could know the story of Jesus Christ, writes letters from a prison. He's now been arrested and is going to be killed because of his faith. And in that dark, stone-laden, wet place, he writes, I have discovered, I have discovered exactly what life should be about. I've discovered the secret of contentment, and it is Jesus Christ. Can you imagine that? You're about to lose everything, including your own life, and none of it matters because the only thing that matters is Jesus Christ. He is your identity. He's the one you've decided to to sink your entire life into. And he's calling us to do that today, to live out the abundant life. Our self-worth is not in stuff, church. It is in Jesus Christ. But greed can also ruin your relationships along the way. I don't know how many of you have seen the movie's uh, series, Lord of the Rings. No one. That's excellent. Wow. Let me encourage you to watch that sometime this week. It's a great evil versus good movie series. In the third movie, though, The Return of the King, we're introduced to uh, how Gollum got to be Gollum. Uh, There's a there's a hobbit called Smeagol. Now, for those that haven't seen the movie, hobbits aren't real. I'm just letting you know. But he and his friend are fishing, and they discover the ring. And the ring is center in all of the movie and all of the books which came before the movie. The ring is everything. And when they find the ring, it turns Smeagol into this selfish, self-centered, egotistical creature. He even kills his friend in order to get the ring, and his life goes downhill from there. We're reminded by that example, this is what Satan wants for all of us. Satan wants to pull you away from your life-giving relationship in Jesus Christ and promise you things that will never come true in the stuff of this world. And in our story in Luke chapter 12, it's clear that greed is causing disharmony between two brothers, between a family. And it's true that dividing an estate can fracture a family. Overcommitment can strangle a marriage. 
Money can cause strife between family and friends, parents and children. Disagreements about money can dissolve relationships. And you may walk away with more in your wallet, but your relationships will suffer because of that. And you and I have had that experience before. We've interacted with friends and family along the way, and it seemed every single discussion was about money and stuff. And because of that, we've lost friendships along the way, and our, our relationship with family members and friends may have shrunk to be very shallow because of that. The greed ruins your relationships. But greed will also harden your heart. And it's something Jesus is trying to remind us of. The man in Luke chapter 12 wanted everything for himself. All the pronouns point to him. He had no eyes for anyone else. But so many of you, church, hold on loosely to the things of this world, the things in this life. You are an incredibly generous group of people. And I know that God is so proud of this congregation and how giving your spirit is to help those around you. Our heart is absolutely directly affected by where our identity is held. And for so many of you, you've decided to fully surrender to Jesus Christ and give him everything in your life. And you can tell because church, it's tough to love where you are when you're only concerned about what you have. Paul, in all his writings, he also writes a church uh, to, in a town called Corinth, and he's reminding them of what it looks like to be a follower of Jesus Christ. And he writes to them, but he also writes to us today in 2 Corinthians chapter 9. He says, a farmer who plants only a few seeds will get a small crop, but the one who plants generously will get a generous crop. You must each decide in your heart how much to give. And don't give reluctantly or in response to pressure, for God loves a person who gives cheerfully. That word cheerful is the same word that we get the word hilarious from. I love that connection. God reminds us that there is joy in giving. I mean, I know that you have experienced that moments when, when you bought that special gift for a grandchild or one of your children, you placed it under the tree or brought it to that birthday party. They opened it and they lit up. And when they light up, you do too. You've experienced the joy of giving. I mean, don't give just because a preacher might make you feel guilty about that. God wants you to be a giver because he knows it's going to bring you joy in your life. It's the realization that you and I aren't tied to what's in our wallet. We're tied to who is in our heart. Recently this year, we offered Financial Peace University right here at Cross Point, the Dave Ramsey program. And it's so true that getting rid of debt is so important and it is a freeing experience. Many of us here this morning would do well to honestly sit down and better understand where we are financially to reduce debt to free us up to do more kingdom work. Wouldn't you agree? I mean, to free up how tied we are to stuff rather than paying the bank or paying the credit card, that we would be helping people go on mission trips to help tell the story of Jesus. That we would help people right here in our own community better understand who Jesus truly is. This quote by Richard Foster is so important to me. It really changes your perspective on this idea. 
He says, God's ownership of everything changes the kind of question we ask in giving. Rather than how much of my money should I give God, we learn to ask, how much of God's money should I keep for myself? And it reminds me in my life that I'm called to honor God with everything that I have, everything that I own. What if, what if your identity was what you give in all of life rather than what you keep? What if someone could look at you and your life, your lifestyle, and realize that's an absolute follower of Jesus Christ? It's clear just by how generous they are. They're not tied to stuff here on earth, but they're living for something extraordinary. What if your identity was not what you do on the outside, but who you are on the inside? Luke 12 starts off with a warning. Beware, watch out, be on guard. But the way the text ends also gets my attention. Yes, a person is a fool to store up earthly wealth, but not have a rich relationship with God. What would God say about your life? If he found your metaphoric wallet somewhere and he opened it up, what would he say? Would he talk about how generous a person you are, how giving a person you are, that not even with only your resources, but with your talent and your time, you're willing to sit down and share the message of Jesus Christ all around you for all who would listen? At the very end of this chapter, Jesus leaves us in verse 34 with something very important. And he says, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Notice the order. Where your treasure is, that's where your heart's going to be as well. And so the question that I have to ask us this morning is, where is our heart? Where is our treasure? Have we made a decision that it's really not about my wallet, but it's about who's in my heart? I want to live for Jesus Christ, don't you? I'm not tied to things of this earth. I serve a risen Savior, King of kings and Lord of lords. He's the Son of God, Emmanuel. He's walking with you, and he wants to give you the abundant life. But church, we've got to surrender everything to him. We've got to give up my choices and say, God, I'm going to give those choices back to you through your son, Jesus Christ. I'm going to be the person you've called me to be. It's not about what's in my wallet. It's about who's in my heart. And so that is the final call this morning that I want to give to you. There are some of you here this morning, I know you believe in Jesus Christ, but you've never fully committed to life with him. Today's the day to change that. Today's the day to say, Jesus, I want you in my heart. I, I want to be all of yours. I'm not tied to things of this earth, but I'm tied to an eternal life with you. I want to live a life that gives you glory in all things. And so today's the day. Don't wait any longer. I know that our shepherds will be gathered along the wall of this room as we sing this next song. And I want to encourage you as we sing that you would go find one of those shepherd couples and let them pray for you, pray over you. Maybe there's something you're anxious about in life right now, something you're struggling with, and let them know those details so they can pray fervently that that would pass from you. But maybe there's some here in this audience today who've never been baptized into Jesus Christ. And I want to encourage you, if that's you, 
Don't leave this place today without making that public commitment because Jesus wants to give you the abundant life, but you've got to fully surrender to him. You've got to turn it all back over to him. It's not about what's in your wallet. It's about who's in your heart. And so this morning, the challenge and the call is to make Jesus the one in your heart. Let's stand together and continue to praise his name as we sing.